feel taller in these hats, do you, Molly? Well, I do feel a little bit taller. It's amazing. I, I mean, us short people, we, we have to do what we can. So. Well, it's way better than heels. <laughs> yes, that's right. Less uncomfortable and embarrassing when you fall. Wait, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <coughs> So, um, in case you didn't know who we are, um, my name is Jody Taylor, and I am the children and family um, pastor here at Church Northwest. Are we sharing this? Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> I am Molly Taylor. We're related in-laws, <laughs> although aren't you? You're my sister still. Um, but yes, I am the youth and families pastor here. So we are looking forward to just kind of unpacking this a little bit today, aren't we? Yes, we are. Oh, yep. that back. All right. So, <coughs> um, we just started a penguin-themed uh, series down in Kids Northwest, um, in case that wasn't immediately obvious with all the penguin hats in the room. Yeah, mine's wearing a mask. He is very COVID-friendly. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. I, I'm being safe. Yeah. I'm not. He is. But Anyway, um, so, this week, for Fano Sunday, we thought we would add a penguin to our series because we can do that. and. Yeah, so we decided to add the little blue penguin because he is so cute. Oh, I'm sorry, I melt every time I see him. Uh, he's my favorite, in case you hadn't noticed. Um, so anyway, so we thought we'd add him to the series. And our little blue penguin, he reminds us of a wise saying that Hamish was telling us earlier, uh, found in the book of Proverbs. And just as the little penguin, I don't know if you shared this fact or not, but the little penguin, he will return to just a few meters away from where he was raised. And just as the little penguin does this, um, if we train a child in the, in the right path, when they grow old, they won't leave it. That's a pretty awesome thing, isn't it? So this is actually reinforced in the, uh, in the oh, sorry, I'm... I'm I can't do two things at once. I can't talk and click the button at the same time. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to just go to custard. All right, so, um, yeah, so this is reinforced in the New Testament in Ephesians 6, 4, where it says, um, parents, to um, bring up your children in the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, the, the original audience um, for the book of Proverbs were Jewish people, and it's worth noting that their culture is quite different to ours. In the Jewish culture, there were several words for the word family. And the first word is bahith or bait. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I butchered that, sorry. I don't speak Hebrew, so yeah, anyway. But the word does mean um, family, like uh, parents, children, immediate family, living in the same household, under the same roof. And the second word for family is, anyone want to have a try? Oh, sorry. Pronounce that, Yeah. There we go. That sounds better than what I was going to say. Awesome. Okay, I was gonna, so mishpakor is, uh, it's a fun word to say, actually. Mishpakor, mishpakor, mishpakor. I'm going to say it a lot today. Sorry. Okay, moving on. All right, so this word carries with it a clan or community feeling. And so um, in Jewish culture, this would, ex this would include extended family, and that would actually extend to the whole tribe that they actually belonged in. So... Yeah, and every member of the Mishpachor recognized their responsibility to communicate the faith of that community to the children who are part of the Mishpachor. And they did this through their attitudes, their passions, their commitments, the way um, they worshipped, the way they responded to each other. So children growing up in the Jewish culture were trained in the ways of the Lord by their Bahith, their immediate family, and their Mishpachor, their faith community. 
And this community was made up of old generations with a rich variety of skills, experience, and wisdom. You could say that these children had uh, access to a kete, or a basket of abundant resources. Now, another aspect of Jewish culture was the synagogue. Can you guys say synagogue? synagogue. It's easier to say than it is to spell, that's for sure. All right, so this photo is a photo of a um, synagogue in Nazareth. It's a first century synagogue, and um, those people aren't first century people, though. Um, actually, they're a group from Shaw Community uh, Church um, that went to Israel a couple of years ago, or many years ago. My dad and mom and I were there, so we were actually standing inside that synagogue, which was really cool. Actually, it was very cool because it was hot outside, and it was, anyway, moving on. Um, so anyway, after the temple was destroyed, um, the synagogue became the local um, centre of the community. And these meeting places were served as schools, places of worship, uh, social gatherings met there, and community meetings were there as well. So we can see that the Jewish community would gather together for a variety of purposes, where in contrast, we would have a different group of people gathering for different purposes. Do you see the difference there? So, for example, we, we know people from work, we know people from school, we know people from church. But it's unlikely that those would overlap very much, okay? But in Jewish culture, um, it's quite different. You see, school, worship, social gatherings, these would likely all consist of the same people, the mishpokor. So when we read Proverbs 22.6, the idea of training a child looks different to what we might expect when we consider the Jewish culture in which the children were raised. Now, training tamariki to be God followers in our culture has challenges given that our culture doesn't have a common faith. Rather, instead we have competing ideologies. We're also not as closely knit together, with households often quite isolated from each other. So... Perhaps we don't have the advantages that children of the Jewish culture had being raised in such a rich learning environment such as the Mishpokol. Or do we? In New Zealand, the Māori culture is very community-focused, and we could learn a lot from their whānau, hapu, and iwi structure and, and values. But beyond that, our equivalent for the Mishpokol, what do you think it is? The church, that's right. It's a community of all generations that have a rich variety of skills, experience, and wisdom. And we have a common faith. Now, our disadvantage is that we do live in an individualistic culture. Well, I said that right. I totally didn't think that was going to happen. Woo! And uh, we don't have a lot of opportunities for us to gather together as a mishpokor. We're not necessarily spending time at school with people in our mishpokor. We're not uh, having community meetings with them. Our social circles may include people from our mishpokor, but it also includes people outside of it. So to that end, we, we have to think creatively about how we connect with our mishpokor. And that's so that our tamariki and the rest of our faith community can reap the benefits of learning from others of a common faith. And we're going to get back to that a little bit later. Actually, Molly's going to get back to that. So right now, we're going to do a little bit of exploration here. We're going to explore what the Bible says about how we're to train tamariki. Now, we're going to split into groups, but um, oh, you guys are all kind of in groups. All right, so this row here, you guys are going to be looking at the passage in Deuteronomy. And I think these are up on the screen. Yes, Molly's going to put those on the screen. Awesome. All right, so you guys are going to be looking at Deuteronomy. And then this, you guys are like one group here in the middle. <laughs> 
It's like, um, anyway, so you guys are going to be looking at the verses in Joshua. And then this group here is going to be looking at 2 Timothy. Now, you don't have to be all one group. You can gather around the tables, and the tables have Bibles on them. What do you know? Unless you didn't bring your phone or whatever, if you didn't have your own Bible. So gather around in, in groups, read the passage together, and then just kind of talk about what you see in those passages that relate to training in the faith. And we're going to give you a couple of minutes to do that. So. All right, sorry to cut off a conversation, but uh, if we uh, let you chat all day, we'll never get done. So let's, um, let's come back and um, we'll share some of your ideas. I'm, I'm curious to see what you guys discovered. I've got my lovely assistant over here. She does make a lovely assistant, doesn't she? So she's going to just jot down some of the ideas that you guys came up with. So um, these groups here, what did you guys see in Deuteronomy about training in the faith? You can just shout it out. Ah, repetitiveness, yes. I'm good at that. Excellent. What else? Talk about it? Yeah. All the time, yes. Yes. Exactly. It's not just a Sunday thing. Perfect. Okay, what about in Joshua? What did you guys discover? Nothing? No? Okay, we're moving on. No, just joking. Visual cues and prompts to remember things. Excellent. And what are they remembering in general? Faith in what God's done. Yeah, good. All right. And then 2 Timothy, what did you guys discover? Yes. Yep. So God, so all, in case you guys couldn't hear that, I'm the one with the microphone. So all scripture is God breathed. It's uh, correcting us, uh, convicting us, training us. Excellent. Okay, so I guess what we could say then, in Deuteronomy we see opportunities to talk to our tamariki about spiritual things during the regular rhythms of life. Would that be fair to say? Okay. And then in Joshua we see examples of moments of remembrance or intentional memorials that you guys were talking about to remind the people of what God has done. Oops, I, I forgot the clicker thing again. And then, uh, I knew I was going to do that. Thank you. <coughs> okay, and then in Second Timothy, we can deduce that this training needs to be based on Scripture, doesn't it? It's useful for teaching and correcting and training. Yeah, excellent. All right, now, obviously we're not Israelites, and we've already talked about how our culture is quite different to that of uh, the Jewish culture. However, looking at these insights we've pulled from the Bible, let's think about these questions. What are the rhythms of our life that we can use to talk to our tamariki and Fano about spiritual things? And what are examples of moments of remembrance that we can embrace today that reminds us of what God has done? And then lastly, how can we ensure that these opportunities are based on Scripture? So tuck that away, maybe make some notes if you want, things just to ponder. So as we saw in these verses... There are many different ways to train tamariki in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And the key word here is different, meaning there isn't just one way of doing this. And 
This is where having a multi-generational faith community or mishpoka is invaluable because we can benefit from the variety of different skills, experience, and wisdom that this community has to offer, and we can help each other grow in our relationship with Jesus. All right, you guys can return to your seats if you're uncomfortable, or you can sit if you're happy. I don't mind either way. Um, So after listening to all of this, some of you might be thinking, oh, I'm really nailing this parenting thing. Um, Or if you're like the rest of us, you might be praying, God, please help me not to screw up my kids too much. Um, The thing is, we know that parenting is important. Parenting is really hard, too. (laughs) And it's easy to feel less than confident. My mother is a prime example of this. Um, She did a parenting course. She helped out with it a few years ago. And she was telling me about it. And she says to me, wow, I really failed as a parent. Now, I think I turned out okay. Um, (laughs) Hamish and the boys, they may not always agree. (laughs) But, you know, I think she did a pretty good job. (laughs) The thing is, what she did was she compared herself to all the other mums around her and all the things that they were doing and all the things that she wasn't doing, and she felt like she couldn't compete. In her mind, she just didn't measure up. She felt like there were things that she should have done, but she just couldn't. Um, Things that she should have given us that she just couldn't. Now, what she missed was that she and my dad weren't the only ones inputting into my life. My grandparents were were so involved in my life. Um, They lived just five minutes down the road, so we saw them very regularly. Um, We had family friends that we met with regularly. Um, There was a family, and we'd just get together for holidays and just sometimes just on a Sunday night. Um, And then I had people like my Sunday school teachers or my kids' church leaders. I had my youth leaders. And then there were the people who just talked to me on a Sunday morning. You know, hey, how you doing? (laughs) Um, And so, you know, they didn't do this on their own. It's a concept of working together. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, I've done my dash. You know, I don't have young kids anymore. Or maybe you've never ventured into parenthood. Kids, this one's for you. Maybe you're a kid and you're not even thinking about what your future family might look like. That's okay. (laughs) This is for you, too, because we need you. I need people who care about my kids enough to talk to them on a Sunday morning. I want to be inspired by kids and teenagers who show me what living for Jesus means in their school community. And I desperately want faith-focused adults who show my kids what it means to be a church fano. I want to hear the stories of preschoolers who pray for the people that they love. I need the support of my church. We all do. So this is one of the big reasons why we do fano Sundays. It's a chance for us all to support each other. And because, I can tell you, I don't have it all figured out. Shocking, right? (laughs) It's this idea of intergenerational community and um, the different generations speaking into the lives of each other, sharing stories, supporting, and encouraging each other. That's just one of the many reasons that I love the support that comes from our church fano um, or our mishpukha. Yeah, throw the vocabulary word in there. <laughs> now, you might have a fantastic idea about what works in your fano, but if I don't know about it, it's not really going to help me personally. Um, if you think of it kind of like Ikea, has anybody heard of Ikea? 
Yes, not very, sort of. So usually when you think of Ikea, you think of the furniture, right? And it comes in a box and you have to assemble it and then it looks beautiful. Um, but did you know there's a store and apparently they sell meatballs? <laughs> yes. Why didn't we not have one here? <laughs> um, so if you see here, what you do, when you walk in the store, they've set it out like a house. And so on one side you might have like bedroom stuff and you know, you can buy any of the stuff in that picture. <laughs> and then on the other side, they might have lounge stuff, and it's set up like a lounge. And you go, oh, I like that cushion. I think I'll take that. I wonder if that works at my house. Oh, I like what they've done with this. Or you might walk into a section that's set up like a kitchen. And you can look through it and kind of see, oh, I like what they've done with this. And it's kind of a really cool way to see how something works before you actually buy it. Um, so you don't have to make that commitment just yet. IKEA makes it possible to try an idea on and see how it might work in your setting um, without actually committing to purchasing it. Um, so in the same way, we share stories. Um, not to replicate, because honestly, your house is never going to look like IKEA because you live in your house. Um, but you can get ideas. So we do it not to replicate, but to inspire. Now, we each have so many different stories, and we can become Ikea, you like what I did there, for each other. We, can, we all have different experiences. Uh, so we've got what we grew up with, all right? Everybody's got a, a childhood. You might still be in your childhood. Um, we've got what some of us do in our families or how we approach parenting now. Um, and then you've got what you've seen in someone else's family. We all fit into at least one of these categories, and everyone has an experience that can benefit our mishpachah. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a detailed list of what it means to raise our kids in a faith-focused home in the 21st century. Um, it gives us general ideas and concepts to guide us, but God knows that different families are going to apply this differently. And the IKEA concept means that we share, share stories about what's working or not working <laughs> in our own homes, in our own families. Because this idea that you have might be amazing, and it could unlock something for another family to help them succeed. So we share our stories about what we experienced as kids, about what works in our family, or what we're doing to connect with other children, or even what you've just observed other people doing. It's how we encourage each other and take our, help each other take our next step towards Jesus. Did you guys hear that? No. I just dropped our um, mission statement, vision statement there. No big deal. <laughs> we help each other, and by doing so, we look more like Christ than we ever did apart. So tell those stories. Share those experiences so we can help and support each other in taking our next step towards Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much um, for our mishpachah, our fano here in this room and I just, I'm just so in awe of the things that you've put in place to help us grow and um, develop. And Lord, I know everybody has something to bring. And I just pray for courage to share those stories um, th so that we can look more like you. It's in your name. Amen.